Open your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 6. I encourage you to pull out your outline of Feeding the 5,000 part 2. And uh, as you're doing that, uh, just to take a moment, just to ask you, uh, as we ended last week's sermon, we talked through uh, a prayer on compassion. And we asked that central question and, and just prayed over, Lord, would you give me a heartbeat of compassion? Would you give me feet that would be willing to go? Would you give me a mouth willing to speak? Would you give me ears to listen and eyes to see? And so as we come to this week, before we get started, I'll just ask, how you doing? And I know you're not going to answer. I, I get it. But how, how you doing? I mean, you know, our ultimate goal is as we read God's word and as we study it and we talk about it, we don't want to just listen and say, oh, that's very nice, but we want to apply it. And so as you prayed over these things, and as you prayed, Lord, give me a heartbeat of compassion, as you walked out the doors, and as you walked into your workplaces and your homes, what did you experience? I know there are several moments this past week that uh, as I was praying, Lord, give me a heartbeat of compassion, that opportunities presented themselves in which I would be encountered with an opportunity to have compassion. My eyes saw it, and I was ready for it. But still, when the moment came, there was a heart that came out of me that said, uh, not right now. Not quite ready. I don't really feel like it. Oh, Lord, I mean, come on. I just don't really want to do this right now. Did, did you have any of those feelings? Am I the only one? Wonderful. Perfect. Very good. So as we come to these things and as you experience them, I just want us to always have this heart to recheck. As you come in on a Sunday morning, you look back and you say, well, where have I grown? What's experience? I mean, this is not one of those things that you take your sermon notes or you take your notes and say, well, I guess that was last week's. And so that was last week's stuff I need to work on. And so I'm off the hook this week, right? Well, it's part two. So you're not off the hook, all right? And so we continue growing and saying, Lord, as we open up this heartbeat of compassion, as we open up and see your hand at work, our goal ultimately every time we come to God's word is heart change is that our hearts would be changed and affected by what we read, by what we talk about, what we pray through, and always as we come to God's word. We want our hearts to be open and receptive. So let's, let's read Mark chapter 6, part 2 of uh, this Jesus feeding the 5,000. Mark chapter 6, verse 35. Would you follow along with me? And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, we've got five and two fish. Then Jesus commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciple and set them before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Again, we come today. Uh, with hearts that want to be receptive, with, with ears that want to listen well, so that ultimately we leave this gathering changed by your word. So Lord, would you nourish our souls? Would you encourage us as we go about the things that you have called us to do? In your name we pray. Amen. 
Well, as we look back, we remind ourselves what's been happening, right? The apostles have just come back from an incredible missionary journey in which they have proclaimed the good news. They have healed people. They have taken out uh, demonic possessed people. They've healed. They've preached. They've healed the sick. And so they've come back to Jesus and they've reported all that's happened. And then Jesus said, let's get away to a desolate place and let's pray. And so you pick up in verse 35, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go to a surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Now let's pause for a moment because there, I don't know if I'm, I'm reading into this a little bit, but I, I just, I see a little bit of the disciples consternation with what's happening, right? They've, they've been promised this get away to a desolate place to pray. Right? And Jesus gets out. Remember, he has a heartbeat of compassion because he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And so as, as Jesus gets out to begin to teach the people, the hour is growing late. Right? And I see some of you sometimes when it gets about 11.55, 11.56, and if I'm still preaching, there's some of the, hey, it's, it's getting, a little, getting a little late. It's almost lunchtime. He, he hadn't hit his last point yet. Is it almost time to get done? We, we got to get to lunch before the other people get to the restaurant, right? To get a, and so the disciples kind of have, so it's biblical, right? When you feel that way, biblical in the wrong sense, but it's still biblical, right? The disciples feeling it, right? The hour is growing late. Everybody's hungry. And so don't you see them sitting around being like, who's going to go tell Jesus, right? He's preaching good. I'm sure Jesus is a good teacher, right? He's, he's Jesus. And so he's preaching well. And I'm sure the hour is beginning to grow late. They're beginning to get even more tired and hungry. And so they begin to have this, what I believe, a little mini session of the disciples and the apostles kind of saying, hey, who's going to be the one to tell? Hey, John, you haven't messed up recently. Why don't you, why don't you go tell Jesus that he needs, it's time to stop, right? Or, Maybe somebody else is saying, hey, hey oh, somebody, we got to figure out, get his attention in the back, right? Make the, make the little countdown clock, make it shine bright red, okay? It's time for him to stop talking because we got to get something to eat, right? It's time to, it's time to slow down. And so can't you see them all kind of huddling up saying, who's going to be the one? Who's going to go tell him, right? Maybe they're playing, you know, paper, rock, scissors to figure out who the one that has to go tell Jesus to stop the talking because it's time to go eat and they don't have any food and everything. So eventually, I think they come to a good plan that they all go to Jesus and they begin to say, hey, Jesus, Look around. We're at this desolate desert place. It's beginning to get dark. We got nothing. And so I think it's time to send the people away. And so Jesus responds in this really peculiar way, right? Jesus doesn't say, yep, I think you're right. What does he say? You give him something to eat. Right? Not quite what the disciples, I think, were expecting to hear. You give him something to eat, right? So what do the disciples say? They begin to grovel a little bit. Jesus says, you give him something to eat. And they say, Jesus... You mean to tell me, I mean, look around, Jesus, for just a minute. We're in the middle of this desert. We're in a desolate place where you kind of promised us that we were going to get a little rest time. But here we are with these crowds, 5,000 men just around here. You're telling me that we've got to go all the way into the city. We've got to leave all this stuff, go into the city, find some bread with some money that, by the way, we don't have because you sent us out as missionaries where we couldn't take many money purses. And so we didn't make it rich. We didn't strike it rich on the missionary field, Jesus. And so we got no money. We got no stuff. And you want us to now leave all these people to get even more tired, to go into the city, to get some food, to come back. It's going to cost us 200 days wage. We ain't got it. And even if we had it, as it says in John, we're going to come back and the people are just going to nibble on a little bit of bread. Is that what you want, Jesus? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying, Jesus? Is that what you want us to do? To go out, leave all this, and go get a little bit of bread that'll come back and maybe give everybody a bite or so of bread. 
So you can feel the disciples coming back in these different responses, as you see on your outline. The number one, the different responses to the people. The disciples are coming to Jesus, just they're kind of frustrated. They're ready for their break. They're ready to get on with the things going on. They're ready to get away from all these people. And you see one commentator say it's so beautiful. The disciples say, send them away. We're tired. And what does Jesus say with his compassionate heart? Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So you see these different responses to the people. Jesus still having this compassionate heart to teach as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus goes to them and teaches. And the disciples are saying, send them away. It's time for rest. It's time for them to get their own food. And so Jesus asks this great question. Verse 38, he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they found out, they came back, and they said, we have five and two fish. So even when the disciples come back, you can feel this moment of Jesus. We've got five loaves of bread. And these aren't even the big, like, long, white loaves of bread that can feed a lot of people. These are like little round wafer bread things, right? That You could probably, like, one disciple could eat this meal. Five loaves, two fish. Essentially, they come to Jesus and say, we got nothing. That's all we got. We got five loaves, two fish. What are you going to do with that? And you can see Jesus. I would think that he's at this point got a big smile on his face, and he's just like, precisely. That's all you got? Perfect. Ready to use it. So often, I think I get in this feeling of the disciples to say, Jesus, don't you see this problem? I mean, I got 5,000 men in front of me. I got no way this is going to work out. There's no possible way any of this is going to work. You've got to be kidding me. Like, Jesus, what do you want us to do? All I got is five loaves, two fish. I got nothing to offer you. I got nothing to give you. I've got nothing. Can't you say Jesus saying, perfect, ready to go. See, so often I spend my will saying, Jesus, this can't work. God, this cannot work. God, you cannot use this. It's not going to work out. Don't you see all the problems right in front? Don't you see all the issues? Don't you see the problems? Don't you see the issues that are right in front of us? Jesus, you don't understand. It's not going to work. I can tell you in my own life, this is precisely how I came to the Lord. The Lord called me to ministry when I was a high school student, and I, I, I came to the Lord and said, God, you don't understand. You don't get it, God. I'm this shy, little quirky, uh, introverted dude who's scared of people, scared to talk in front of people. There's no way that you could use this. So God, you, I think you've got the formula wrong. My five loaves and two fish are not appropriate to be used in ministry. I can often recall going to preach in these places and hugging the toilet because the fear of going out and using what God had given me was just overwhelming. So you come to these places in which you see often we come to what God is calling us to. Then you feed them. And we say, Lord, there's no way. You don't get it, God. There's too many of them. There's too many problems. There's too much stuff. I'm not wise enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm too old. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough might. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough power. I simply don't have enough. Don't you see the problem? It's right here. It's too big, Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll take these unschooled fishermen and I'll set the world on fire. You remember back in Moses, and we keep going back over and over again to the Old Testament. Do you remember Moses as he stood at that burning bush? What did he say to God? Hey, God, I'm a, I'm a stuttering fool. I can't go in front of the, the power of Egypt and stand in front of him and say, let the people go. And God simply told Moses, remember who is with you. That as the people are let go, they could only say, 
only God. Only God could take a rock and make water go forth. Only God could send the plagues forth to let the people go. Only God could part the Red Sea and do miraculous things as the people walk through on dry land. Only God. And so over and over again, as we come to problems and you look at situations and say, there's no way. Maybe some of you today would look at your marriage and say, there is no way. God, don't you see all the problems we're up against? Don't you see all the issues? Don't you see all these things right in front of us? There is simply no way, but the reality is only God can. You look at sometimes wayward children, and you say, God, there's, there's no hope. They're so far gone. They're so lost. God says, well, maybe that's precisely the place in which you can look and say only God could save. Only God can do it. So number two in your outline, Jesus used what the disciples had. Friends, I can tell you over and over and over again in my life, I so often come to issues, come to problems, and simply say, God, I just, I can't. Can't do it. Don't know how. Don't know where to go. Don't have, the, don't have all the answers. And it's at those precise moments when God just says, let's go. I'll tell you, even this week, reading through this, preparing it, studying it, getting my heart ready towards the end of the week, Brittany and I came to a situation in our home in which we were just done. If you ever have those moments where you just want to throw in the towel on everything going on and just say, we're done, waving the white flag over our household, we just had one of those times. We tried everything. We had exhausted all of our wisdom and resource, and we were just done. We put the kids to bed, and as I'm thinking of this and looking at this text and saying, well, we, we just, we got nothing. We've got five loaves, two fish. We're just going to nibble on it. We got, we got nothing. We got down on the bed, uh, next to the bed together, just got down on our knees and just, just said, Lord, we, we got nothing. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do this situation. We have no idea what to do, Lord. We need your help. If you don't help us, we will continue to get weary and weary and weary, Lord. If you do not show up here, Lord, we, we don't know what in the world to do. Essentially, in this moment, we just brought the Lord our five loaves and two fish, which was nothing. Friend, I, I'm so thrilled to report that as we bring these things to the Lord, he shows himself faithful time and time and time and time and time again. And so, Lord, friends, I tell you, as you come to him and just say, here's all I've got. Here is all I've got. It's five bread, two fish. This is it. It's not much. It's not going to feed the 5,000. It's not going to do much, Lord. But here is what I got. Can I tell you that over and over again, the Lord uses it in magnificent and mighty ways that we can never comprehend. If we just come to him and say, here it is. Here's what we've got, Lord. You look back at Moses in Numbers chapter 11. The same same play that disciples say is essentially what Moses says in Numbers chapter 11 is God says to Moses that he's going to give these people meat to eat. And Moses is walking through the Exodus and the people are grumbling. You remember they're grumbly, grumbly people. And so God's going to give them meat to eat. And Moses, hearing that he's going to give the people meat to eat, Moses' response is much like the disciples. But Moses said, the people among whom I number 600,000 on foot. And you've said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Moses says, shall flocks or herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered for them and be enough? 
Sounds a lot like the disciples. Moses says, Jesus, all right, Moses said, God, there's 600,000 people right in front of me. I'm looking with my little eyes. I'm seeing 600,000 people. And you say, there's meat to eat? Where am I going to get the meat, God? Am I going to slaughter all the herds in the land? Are you going to give me all the fish in the sea so that the people will eat? What am I supposed to do with 600,000 people and no meat? God, you got, you got something planned? Because I got nothing. And how does God respond to Moses? It says in verse 23, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. As we see over and over again, when we come and bring our little pieces in the hands of God, in the hands of our Savior, mighty, bigger things that we can ever imagine. When you take your seemingly small and insignificant testimony of how the Lord has changed you, in His hands, mighty things can happen. As you take your feet that seem like they can't go very far or do very much, when you take your feet to your next door neighbor and knock on their door and just say, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. When you take your hand and write a handwritten note to somebody and just say, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and I do too, and I want you to come to church with me or I want to tell you about what God has done in my life, the small and seemingly insignificant acts of faith that we do on a daily basis in the hands of a mighty, holy God can be used in unimaginable ways. But the prerequisite is simply coming to him and saying, Lord, here I am. Here is what I have to offer. Or do you take it and use it in miraculous ways? As you come to number three on the back of your outline, you see that all those who ate were satisfied. This is the most beautiful passage here as you come to verse 42, that as Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed it and broke it, uh, foreshadowing the day that he would break the bread at the communion table and give it as his body broken for his disciples and for the people who would come after him. He broke these loaves and he set them before his apostles. Verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. At the end of the day, this is what our Savior has come to do. Reminded that Jesus is doing all of this because he has seen the people, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I think it's so interesting, and maybe it's foreshadowing, or looking back to Psalm 23 again in verse 39, that Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on what? On green grass. A beautiful reminder of our shepherd in Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd, that we shall not be in want that the Lord would satisfy our souls, that he would satisfy our deepest longing, our deepest need, that this is who our shepherd is, that he would leave us satisfied. But more than that, Lord is our shepherd, we shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, precisely the thing that he did here in feeding the 5,000, that he would make the people sit down in these green fields so they could be feasting on what he is providing for them. A beautiful reminder as this began that they were like sheep without a shepherd and here the Lord is being their good shepherd, meeting their physical needs, but also spiritually nourishing their souls. Again, another demonstration of the Lord's authority over physical creation, his Messiahship. But this key truth, I want to resonate in our souls today. The Lord's desire for you and for me is to be our good shepherd, to satisfy our souls. I'm convinced that if we were honest with ourselves here today, that there's many in this room, many watching online, many across our congregation who are 
not satisfied. Not satisfied and you are seeking after a multitude of things to satisfy your parched and weary soul. Maybe today, if you were to be honest, you are seeking after things that simply continue to make you more and more thirsty and more and more hungry. You've bought into the lie of continuing reaching out over the boat and drinking the salt water, hoping to parch your thirst. And the reality is you are still thirsty. You're seeking after so many things that glitter and glimmer in this world's view that continue to leave you so unsatisfied. Maybe today you have sought after alcohol, drugs, pornography, sex, money, and you keep going back and back and back and back and back again, hoping that someday, one day, these things that we seek after would finally nourish and satisfy your soul that is craving for the Spirit of God in your life. And you see Jesus, the Lord, God is our shepherd. We shall not continually be in want. He makes you to lie down in these green pastures. He leads you beside still waters, and he will, if we allow him to, he will restore your soul. Friends, many of us are just weary and tired of going after things that will never satisfy your soul. Today, the beautiful passage, this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 ultimately leads the people satisfied. And remember, the disciples were going to go and spend 200 denarii on this bread and these loaves of bread that were only going to give people a mere nibble and a mere taste. But what does Jesus do? He satisfies. He doesn't give us a nibble. He doesn't give us a little morsel, a grain that we can go to. He satisfies deeply. Our deepest cravings satisfy. The disciples could only give little morsels, but Jesus satisfied deeply. I just ask this question. Is your soul satisfied? Have you found soul satisfaction in Jesus? Knowing that your sins have been taken away, that you have been truly redeemed, that you are free in Jesus, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you are a new creation in him. Is your soul satisfied? And if it's not, Friends, can I tell you to look to Jesus? Throw off all the things that only leave your soul thirsting, thirsting for more. All those who ate were satisfied. As we come to this last blank, let me remind you that this miraculous encounter all began with a heartbeat of compassion. That if Jesus would have stepped out of the boat and looked at the people and said, I can't take this right now, it's not for me right now, he could have got back in the boat and gone somewhere else. But this whole interaction, whole thing began because Jesus began with a heart of compassion. As we come to feeding the 5,000 part two, I'm not sure where you fit on the spectrum. Maybe your soul is just completely unsatisfied. But maybe you are satisfied. Maybe your heart is satisfied with Jesus. Can I just ask again, afresh and anew, as we did this week, would it extend to this week to say, Lord, help me with a heart of compassion. Help me, even though I see the disciples, even though I see the response, Lord, would you give me your response to respond with a heart full of compassion, full of grace and truth, to run to people who desperately need Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. As always, we want to feast on your word. 
Oh, we want our hearts to be just taken by the good news of the gospel. Lord, thank you for this miraculous sign that you did to take five small loaves of bread and two fish and multiply them out to the people who were satisfied. Their hunger was met. Lord, we thank you for this simple miracle that has profound implications that you are the authority over physical creation, that you're authority over your word, your authority over everything in all creation. Thank you, Lord, that you take our simple morsels and you multiply them out. Lord, thank you for 12 basketfuls that were filled at the conclusion. Lord, you don't just give tiny morsels, Lord. You deeply satisfy our souls. So I know as we listen in a room like this or watching online that there may be some who their souls are anything but satisfied. So I pray today before we leave or turn off the TV that we satisfy our souls by resting in the truth that you love us and that you care for us and that you have made a way where there was no way for us to be at peace with you. Lord, I pray that we don't leave this place with unfinished business between you and us. Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.